Blog Talk Radio. All About Us Radio is sponsored by Roger and Shavonna Johnson and the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation. You can like us on Facebook at All About Us Radio Media Group or follow us on Instagram at CJAAUTV Radio. Also, check out our website at www.wejfoundation.org or give us a call at 631-521-7699. Thank you for tuning in to All About Us Radio. Hi everyone, I am Shavana Johnson, CEO and founder of All About Us Global Media Productions Group, TV, radio, and magazine, CEO of the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation Incorporated. We are a 501c3 organization on a mission to educate, engage, and mentor our parents and teens in communities on current issues surrounding our youth. Today we are asking for your support to continue providing our informative programming through our various media platforms. To make a donation, visit the Whitney E. Johnson site at www.wejfoundation.org or you can reach us at 631-521-7699 for more information. And as a reminder, all donations given are tax deductible. On behalf of the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation, we thank you for listening and your support. Dr. Renee Scholz, I'm a neuro coach, a mind and brain ambassador, and author of the new book release, Remembering the Trauma and Healing It with the Trauma of Change System Model, which leverages neuroscience and spirituality for trauma healing, deliverance, and recovery. I want to welcome you to my new show, Real Talk with Dr. Renee, where we'll have an authentic dialogue about all things related to the mind, body, and brain connection. During our time together, we'll talk about how to maximize brain potential in your personal and corporate space, develop new mental maps and success strategies to overcome traumas and other life challenges we face every day. I do look forward to talking with you and taking your calls and answering some of the questions as we do Life Together Live on this show. Listen, you may be on the road driving home, sitting at your computer, or on your way to the gym when Real Brain Talk airs. I want you to pace yourself and get in position to optimize your brain. Join me on All About Us Radio on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And follow me on my social media outlets. At Twitter, it's at Dr. Renee Charles. Instagram is Dr. Dr. underscore Renee underscore Charles. And Facebook is simply at Dr. Dr. R-D-C Ph.D. You are listening to All About Us Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome to live broadcast of Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. 
Greetings and welcome to you all, my listening audience. For the first time, listeners, welcome to Real Brain Talk. And for my returning um, listeners, hey, I'm glad to have you on the line. So today is going to be an exciting conversation, and I am really excited about adding value to you on this particular topic. And so on Real Brain Talk, um, we actually engage in a conversation, in a dialogue about all things related to the body, the mind, and the brain connection. So I do want you guys to call in, ask me questions, comment as we go through um, this hour together. So as you listen to the weekly show, and I hope that you do, um, become intimately um, familiar with how to optimize your, your mind and your brain potential. It's our intention to add value to those who will in turn add values to others through the exchange of information. This information can be empowering. It could be revelatory and transformative. So today's conversation is on the emotional impact of rejection, forgiveness, compassion, and gratitude and how all of the different neurochemicals um, that operate uh, in our brain affects and manages our moods. So there's a lot to unpack about how the brain is involved in every aspect of our mood regulation and response. So before we get too deep into the topic today on how the brain processes this forgiveness, how it processes compassion, and gratitude and the role of neurochemicals in managing your, your mood, we're going to take a, a brief music break to listen to a song that I believe will just set the tone for this conversation. The song is called You Made Away by Travis Green. Take a listen. Standing here only because you made a 
yes, there is a way. Because you don't see a way doesn't mean that there is no way. God has always provided us with an exit strategy. So we're going to talk about really deep things today, compassion, forgiveness, unforgiveness, and gratitude. So you're listening to Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. Let's do life together on All About Us Radio. I so welcome your questions and comments. Call at any point in the conversation. The telephone number is 516-666-8424. So the returning listening audience who have tuned in previously, they have learned the definition, and I'm going to repeat it, and the meaning of neuroscience. As most of you know, I am a neural coach, social psychologist, and a certified psychotherapist. And so today we're going to talk about all things related to the body, the mind, and the brain. So neuroscience is the scientific study of the structure or function of the nervous system and the brain and how our brain actually interprets information from the outside world. We also shared with the listening audience the difference between the brain and the mind. It's worth repeating, and it's going to be a redundant um, repeat every time you tune in so that you will understand that there is a great difference between the the brain and the mind. Most people know all about the brain. We know that uh, it's in our skull. We know that we couldn't operate without a brain. Um, But beyond that, we have little to no information about how this three-pound organ actually um, is the CEO of all the parts of our brain, of all of the parts of our body. We have 10 different systems, and the brain actually sends all the messages to each system to operate in accordance to the plans and purposes that God made the systems for. So the brain being a tangible three-pound organ with trillions of cells to cell networks, um, communicating with each other, um, similar to how a computer uh, communicates with each component in the network. Now, this three-pound organ you can physically touch. It can physically be weighed. The brain is not the mind, and the mind is not the brain. The brain, the mind, is the platform that regulates the flow of information and energy. The mind is an invisible, non-physical, unlimited energy creating thoughts and feelings. It sends signals to the brain for conscious interpretation. It is the vessel in which electronic impulses create thoughts. Now, thoughts are things and are real, and your thoughts actually programs yourself. So let's make it clear that the brain is not the mind, and the mind is not the brain. So when you think about something, 
Feelings are not thoughts, and thoughts are not feelings. Feelings is the response to a thought. And when you feel, you also choose. You make a choice. So say with me that when you think, you feel. And when you feel, you choose. You are always thinking. So a thought is an electrochemical event that's taking place in your nerve cells, producing a cascade of physiological changes. You know that when an MRI is taken, um, when scientists are studying the flow of thoughts and how it's being reflected, our studies show that thoughts are real. And your thoughts causes a biological and physiological effect on the body. So if you think you're going to be sick today, you just sent a message to your brain. Brain mind says, we're going to be sick. Oh, and then you start feeling a headache coming on. Or you may feel nauseous because the brain takes the shape that the mind rests upon. Your brain is so um, pliable. It can be shaped, it can be influenced, it can be um, developed, it could be changed. And we call that the process of neuroplasticity. So thoughts and emotions, they resonate at different frequencies, and the body actually responds to the mental input as if they were physically tangible. So the mind can influence the behavior and this happens on a subatomic particles and physical matter. So when, when we talk about energy, we are energy. This is not um, superstition, superstition. This is just physics. We are energy. We are, we are mass of energy. We have atoms and protons and neutrons and uh, all kinds of elements that comprise this incredible body. So the body is the temple of God, and, and that is an undeniable truth. So with each thought that we engage in, we send frequencies or vibes to the environment. You know, there was a, a scientific test that was done. Um, I think his name is Dr. Emoto, where she used um, water to speak into water, and when he spoke words of hatred into the water, he froze it into ice cubes and compared it to when he spoke love into the water and froze it with ice cubes. You can clearly see a distinct pattern of crystallization based on how you release those words into water. In the same way that we have muscle memory, water also remembers. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how every emotion has a brain chemical associated with it, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, when it's released, it affects our bodies. So your body responds to the mental input as if it is physically real. You know, the, the word of God does tell us that we can speak life into a situation or death into a situation. 
And so every time someone says to you, ooh, I love you, I love the way you look, Um, that's a beautiful dress that you have on, there's a neurochemical that's being released in your body that is allowing you to accept that um, uh, appraisal of who you are and the feeling good that you feel in your body all is related to we call these happy um, chemicals and these are dopamine and serotonin and um, oxytocin which is a bonding uh, neurochemical all of this is operating in your brain so these chemicals gives us an emotional feeling of goodness, which provides us with a wellness feeling in our body. So when we're under emotional stress, on the other hand, the amygdala, which is a subcortical structure that is in the limbic system, we have spoken about that before, the emotional piece of the brain, referred to as the emotional recaller. Uh, that triggers your emotions faster than your conscious awareness. Even the ones that you don't want to remember can be remembered. So what's in the amygdala? The amygdala is two almond-sized nuclei within your brain and are the first to react to any emotionally significant event. And it is always on speed dial. One word will trigger a response to that word from the amygdala. So these organs, as mentioned in the last episode on relationship, oh, if you missed the the episode on relationship, you missed a great talk with Dr. Rael, our scientist and expert on relationships. You can catch it on replay, but you must listen to that because, you know, The amygdala helps protect us and to warn us when there is danger. You know, you're you're in love with this guy, but something inside of you is saying, hey, you know, do I trust him? And and is he going to break my heart? Or is he who he he says he is? You know, the amygdala is giving you a warning sign. It is something yet not right with this guy. But because we want what we want when we want it, we overlook the warning signs. God is always talking, but we're not always listening. So the amygdala from harm by interpreting subconscious hits or hints of danger that triggers like like fast response, like a, a, a quicker than quick. That's how the amygdala picks up danger and warns you. And and actually, that's one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit, to guide you into all truth and to raise your awareness that something is just not right here. Don't go down that street. No. Don't, don't, don't take that route. No. Uh, you feel it, and you said, well, something told me. Well, that something is the Holy Ghost speaking through the amygdala. So the amygdala contributes significantly to your anger, your fear, your grief, your envy, and jealousy, all the emotions 
is lodged in the amygdala from birth. And even if an event that was emotionally arousing happened to you when you were five and today you're 55, the amygdala remembers just as if it was today. And even though you may not want to remember how, how, you know, damaging that event was, the body remembers what the mind wants to forget. Immediately a senses pattern recognition. It detects and responds to subliminal signs of danger. And also when you don't um, achieve a goal that you have, um, the amygdala will kick up um, some memories that of your own failure in the past. So it coordinates with other parts of the brain, and I don't want to get too deep with you about the other parts in the brain. We're unraveling each part of the brain in every episode. But there is another part that the amygdala works in tandem or in coordination with, and it's the cerebral cortex, the insula. And that's the seat of the emotions. And it sends pain messages to the amygdala in response to a social failure. So when you fail that test, Okay. The insula tells the amygdala, you know, she failed the test. And therefore, if in fact you have rehearsed in your mind and felt that you were a failure, that feeling will become much alive. So together they respond um, speediately to negative emotions. So when you're in grief or you're feeling guilty or envious of somebody, or shame. Shame is a very deep emotion. It actually is a spiritual stronghold. Shame says, I did something wrong. Guilt says, I was wrong. And when you acknowledge that what you did was wrong, you can be free. But shame is a very, very deep stronghold that will hold you locked into a place. And we'll talk about that one day in some of the upcoming shows. So just keeping with the amygdala, because amygdala plays a very, very big role in our emotions, and I want you to be familiar with that. The amygdala draws your attention to emotionally significant signals. While it takes around 300 milliseconds for you to become aware of a disturbing event, naturally, the amygdala reacts to it within 20 milliseconds. So quickly you are made aware that there is danger. Now, the brainstem also plays a very, very um, big role in alerting you that you may be in danger as well. And most of you may have heard of the, um, we call this uh, the fight or flight response. Now, these um, emotions do not just work together by themselves. You have neurochemicals that are also involved, and they may also cause an imbalance, like serotonin. If your serotonin level is low, your response may be one of high anxiety or depression. Our perception of scenario affects our feelings. So the five senses that God gave us, sight, smell, touch, hearing, 
And what's the next one? Um, hmm, how can I forget the other smells? Somebody help me. Touch, taste, feeling, hearing, and it'll come back to me. But God gave us all of these five senses, and five is the number of grace. So we respond to our emotions based on those five senses. So every negative emotion starts off with a toxic thought. So, for instance, if someone hurts you and you carry that grudge in your mind, the toxic thought releases negative energy into your bloodstream. You know, um, we're going to go deeper right now. So what I'm going to do is take another music station break to listen to a song that I believe will set the tone um, for this next um, aspect of this discussion. It's called by um, C.C. Williams. It's called Never Have to Be Alone. I'll be right back. You are listening to Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. We welcome your comments and questions. I received a message that several of you are on the phone um, holding for a question, and please press option one 
to talk to me. I look forward to taking your questions and your comments. Okay, so we're going to move now to talk about something that, you know, all of us probably have experienced in our lifetime, and if you haven't experienced it, keep living, one day you will experience that. And we're going to talk about rejection. We all know that rejection hurts, but neuroscience has concluded that does hurt in fact, literally, in your brain. For example, rejection piggybacks on physical pain pathways in the brain. MRI studies show that the same area of the brain that becomes activated when we experience rejection as we experience physical pain. This is why rejection hurts so, so bad. So when someone leaves you, or there's an emotional breakup, then you are in such emotional pain, it is as if someone actually cut you with a knife. The same area that the brain is responding to pain is the same area that is responding to that emotional breakup. Now, while the brain does not process emotional pain and physical pain, clinically, but the reaction and the cascading events are very similar. And a natural chemical painkiller we call muy opioid is released during both events. So when someone feels physical pain, opioids are released in the brain so that the significance of the pain is inhibited. You know, God protects us in, in so many ways. Um, you're not really feeling the real depth of the pain, because your brain is designed in such a way to to protect you from feeling the fullness of the pain. So we know now that the same experience occurs when an individual feels slighted or rejected. Do you know that heartbreak can lower your IQ? Heartbreak, a broken heart. People can actually die from a broken heart, loneliness. Heartbreak, a loss of being left out, is really difficult to process for humans as social creatures. So I'm going to take a break and talk about these young children who are committing committing suicide at six and seven and eight and nine years old because of rejection or because they're being bullied. Um, would attribute the bullying directly to the suicide. One needs to understand that our brains are not fully developed until we're 25 to 30 years old. A six-year-old's brain is not developed fully. And so the intensity of that rejection is the pain that it's causing is deep for them. And so one would say, how does a six-year-old know how to commit suicide? What does a six-year-old know about ending their life? There's also um, research that says underlying suicidal attempts are also unrecognized mental illness. I am not saying the child is mentally ill, but there are mo- there's more that we need to look at when a young child of that age commits suicide because of rejection. 
So there's also evidence that suggests that not being able to think straight is a real outcome of feeling rejected. Research out of the University of Michigan suggests that not only does the brain process rejection like it does physical pain, but the personality traits such as resilience are vital to how we process pain. If you reject me, um, I don't process it seriously because your rejection of me is your loss because I have such a, a vibrant sense of value of worth of myself. But those who have low self-esteem um, really can't bounce back in the same way as someone that has moderate to high levels of self-esteem or high levels of emotional intelligence, which would be another show for us to talk about. The brain has a natural pain-killing response um, that varies between humans. Um, with, with some humans may have more opioids release during social rejection, and others um, may have a stronger or more adaptive protective ability. So we're all are different, but those who have a stronger sense of value of themselves when rejected will bounce back. So when the opioid, the MU opioid, it's M-U-O-P-I-O-I-D, is released, there is a trigger in two areas of the brain. One, that amygdala that we talked about, it processes the strength of the emotion. And the other, which is the cingulate cortex, determine how your mood change to the event. So some people's mood will get very, very depressed about your rejection. Others will say, bye-bye, bye, Felicia, don't care about you, reject me at your loss. So what determines who rejects and who accepts the rejection? So there's a lot that's going on, and it's all attributed to your mind and your brain. I'm going to pause because that's pretty heavy of a conversation to see if anyone actually has a question regarding that um, response, our brain response to rejection. And maybe just kind of talk about when they were rejected and how difficult it was for them to, to rebound on that. Give me a call. Let's, let's do life together live on Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. All right, so I'm hoping that my listening audience um, will take the bold step to give a call, to make a statement. I know you guys are listening. Um, not many people understand the brain. All we understand is that we have one. We know everything about this body, our legs, our breasts, our, our buttocks, our, our face, uh, our, how large our feet is, our fingers what they do. We know everything about the body, from the respiratory to the, to the uh, um, reproductive system. We know all about that, but we know very little about how our brain operates. And we don't know that we can manipulate the brain for, to, to function at higher levels of ourselves. And that's really why this show is on, to help you elevate yourself 
to be the, the best self, the highest version of yourself, to maximize potential, to achieve um, the goals that you have set out for yourself, to look at the world in a way that puts you front and center in decision-making, and not just to respond to the amygdala, because the amygdala is your emotional brain. And sometimes we, we respond with emotions as opposed to responding at the highest level of version of ourselves, which is found in our prefrontal cortex. I want to move now towards a topic about unforgiveness and how the brain actually deals with unforgiveness. Now, we've all been deeply hurt in some way. Someone's betrayed us, a spouse may have betrayed us, behind your back, criticism from a friend, a close friend, a best friend um, may have said something um, out of the way that you had no idea they would say. Um, someone um, being hateful to you, making judgment. Uh, how about somebody in the church? They'll be so sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, but they're backstabbing you, you know? someone who's, who's falsely accusing you at work, unfair treatment by a boss or a parent, that's, you know, pretty deep. And, and, and the deeper the hurt, the harder it is to really to forgive anybody. And, and it's, the longer it will take to actually forgive them, the deeper the pain. Now, be authentic and be true. How many of you really don't want to forgive the person? How many of you believe that they don't even deserve forgiveness for what they've done? Sound like Jonah. Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. Those people don't even deserve to be saved by God. But, you know, he had to surrender. <laughs> so when you are deeply hurt, um, again, the brain is processing it as physical pain. And, you know, we harbor a, a grudge. Resentment may build up in our hearts. We may nurse the offense. I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm not forgiving them. No. I don't care how long I've known them. No. They should have not hurt me. So I hold this unforgiveness in my heart. And as a result, we remain a prisoner to our own pain. And we harm our brain when we do that. It's natural when someone hurts us um, to feel normal pain. It's, it's natural to feel pain. God created our brains to help us survive when we feel threatened. This is one of the things I spent so much time on, the amygdala and the brainstem, giving you the, the, the alarm system to let you know there's danger here. Okay. Listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You're, you are wired to detect threat. You are wired to detect danger. That's how we were made. So when we are threatened, there's two options that we can deal with. We can fight it. Three options. We can fight it. We can run. Or we can freeze. So those of you who really fear dogs and 
here comes a dog walking towards you. Now, you know, I have a 103-pound Doberman, Blaze. And if you saw Blaze walk towards you and you have a fear of dogs, you would freeze. That's one of the responses that you can deal with, with fear. Or you can look for a stick nearby, pick it up, and say, come on, Blaze, it's going to be me and you. Or you can decide just to run. This reaction is generating from your brain stem. And so the brain stem is sending the signals to the amygdala saying, listen, you're in danger. You better get out of here or Blaze is going to eat you up. This is what's going on. And so we are experiencing an interaction between the environment, we saw the dog, the brain stem alerted you that you have three options, to stay frozen, to fight, or to run out of here. So the amygdala is activated right after that message is sent from the brain stem. And a series of biochemical processes begin. The adrenal gland that lays on top of our kidney releases the stress hormone called cortisol into our bodies. That's a neurotransmitter. We have at least eight types of neurotransmitters that we'll talk about, probably not get through all of them today, but our brain releases neurochemicals. We call them neurotransmitters that are released from the brain. These are brain chemicals. Those in turn activate the parts of our nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system. So when these systems are activated, among other things, our attention gets highly focused on survival. Your, your attention is on how am I going to get away from this dog? Is this dog going to kill me? Is, is, is he, is, am I going to um, not survive this attack? Your, even your digestive system stops. Your pupils become dilated. Your saliva glands start slowing down. Our blood pressure and heart rate increases, and our muscles are ready for action. So the brainstem controls all of the automatic functions of your body. You don't have to ask your, 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 your brainstem, can I breathe today? You don't have to ask your brainstem, can I run? You don't have to ask your brainstem, can my heart beat? It's automatic. And so automatically, when the brainstem sees the dog from your old experience, because you gave the brainstem information, like we give the devil information about what, what, what we're afraid of, you told the brainstem, when I see dogs, I'm afraid. That's the mind. The mind is telling the brain. I am afraid of dogs, and therefore, the brainstem is going to react. So our body prepares itself for the fight, the flight, or the freeze. And so this happens whether we're in real danger or not. So if you've been traumatized in the past, I don't care how old you were and how old you are now, the body remembers what the mind wants to forget, so... Whether you're in real danger or whether 
someone is physically or emotionally hurting you or you just perceive that this dog is going to attack you. Now, my dog, he's such a loving dog. He would never attack you at all. He looks aggressive. He looks like he can eat you in one gulp. But all Blaze wants to do is really lick your, your hand. Now, if you are trying to attack me, Blaze is going to go into attack dog mode because Dobermans are one owner dogs. They are Velcro dogs. He sticks like Velcro to me. So if he feels that I'm in danger, he takes on the role of the brainstem and he's going to attack you. I get people ask me, uh, uh, does your dog bite? I said, well, he has teeth. <laughs> he does have teeth. He can bite, but will he bite you? If you if you provoke him not, he will not bite you. So unforgiveness can keep our body and brains in the state of high alertness and lead to very, very unhealthy results. So somebody has a question, and I'm going to pause to hear the question. Caller, please ask the question now so that the listening audience can hear it. Hello. Hi, Dr. Nate, can you hear me? I can hear you now, yes. Okay, this is Shavana. Um, you know, when you were talking about rejection, I wanted to share this because the young ladies that I mentor um, and that I speak with on a daily basis, um, I wanted to share this little bit because I have a fear. My fear of rejection all my life was I really didn't know my father because my mother and father separated before I was even born. And even though I would spend time with his family, I never really got to know him, and I always felt like he didn't want me, he didn't love me, he didn't care for me. Um, and I always dealt with that in, in relationships, especially you know relating to men and different relationships that I've had. I've always held that fear because of him. And I'm sharing this because my question is this. The fear of rejection and you hold it in, you can carry that all your life. And you you kind of bounce it off the, the different relationships that you have. Mm-hmm. And how do I, you know, let it go? How do I, even though now I'm older, um, I'm blessed to have married um, a wonderful man. Um, sometimes the fear of rejection still holds me um, as though he doesn't love me. So my question is, how do I really let go? Um, I know i got to forgive. My father passed away, and I re- never really, my sons didn't get to know him, and I really didn't get to know him. So how do I resolve that fear of rejection? Interesting, great question. In fact, recently (laughs) I was looking at a Facebook post and someone had asked um, how do they, um, you know, really manage um, anxiety and depression. Um, Mm -hmm. And we know, um, I'm going to give you the spiritual answer and I'm going to give you a physical answer. You know, Mm -hmm. the answer is that, one, God's word says that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of sound mind. So everything 
in life has a spirit connected to it. Yes. The death has a, a connection, a spirit connected to it. Your emotions have a, a spirit connected to it. Everything has a spirit connected to it. Now, mm-hmm. when I talk to you about rejection and how rejection is felt as physical pain in the same area that physical pain is actually processed into. You talked about your father. You never knew your father. You know that you had a father. So for you to feel rejected by him is something that learned. You learned that fear in your mind that Mm. compared it to the fact that other young girls had fathers, and I didn't have one. Therefore, I must be very, very different than other young girls in that if my dad really loved me, he would have stayed alive for me and honored my birth. So these are thoughts that you created in your mind. And so when you mm-hmm. create that thought in your mind, you send a very clear direction to your brain that I was rejected. So thoughts create feelings. Feelings creates a connection, a response, a a um, reaction. So mm-hmm. this rejection that you're dealing with, yeah, there's a stronghold there, and that stronghold opens a portal for the enemy to lodge and keep mm-hmm. you in a position that you are not worthy of a man staying in your life. You are not worthy to be acknowledged and to be honored by your father. And your husband is a representation of your father. Your father is also a representation of God, who is our heavenly father. So it's a trick of the enemy to give you a, 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 a mental mindset set that you weren't wanted, valued, and therefore that initial not wanted and valued by your dad will uh-huh. constantly reaffirm itself in your life. So this uh-huh. is where deliverance comes in <laughs> that we have to deal with in terms of that. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? It, make, it makes a lot of sense. But I also want to say this to young people that are listening in a way, I did have deliverance when I was younger because my grandfather played a very significant role as a father to me. He was a, a, a figure of encouragement, a figure of positivity. He always, you know, told me, I loved you. You know, he, he, was, he was always the father I never had, but still it was enough for me to really push myself, but it was still enough for me to know that I was still rejected by the person who created me. Correct. So you, you, true deliverance has not yet come to your door. Uh-uh. You're right. So you, you, you're, you're delivered when you know that that thing no longer impacts mm-hmm. you. So you can either be a victim of, of the rejection or victorious around it. And so that's what happens in, in, in that process. And then, uh-huh. you know, unforgiveness creeps in. And it can keep our body and our brain in this state of high alertness. Okay, this person is going to reject me. I'm not going to trust this person. When is when is the hammer going to fall? Okay, uh-huh. I know you're expecting it, and and you uh-huh. get what you expect. That's yeah. what you bring to you. 
what you expect is what you get. Mm-hmm. So when you reject that, you don't get it. That's true. And so sometimes right. we 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 ruminate over it. We nurse and rehearse the hurt, which reinforces our negative emotion and burns the event and pain even deeper into our neural pathways. You remember I talk about mm-hmm. um, neurotransmitters. Well, neurotransmitters also create neural pathways. It's Ooh. like a mental map. Same way if you're driving your, your, your vehicle and you want to get to from one point to another, you put the GPS on, it's going to map out how to get there, turn left here, go right here. Oh, you missed that stop, make a U-turn. That's what's happening in your brain as well. But the more and more you create the pathway that you want, the brain has to accommodate the direction that you're sending it to. So if, if, you're, if you're sending it to that, you know what, I'm going to be on high alert because somebody's going to reject me, someone's not going to really honor me, I'm not going to really try this, I'm not going to really fully trust that person, I'm not going to fully release myself. You just created a newer pathway that opens a, 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 a mental map for other negative thoughts to, to trail right after it. So I hope that that helps you. Um, certainly, we can we can talk more. But this is a great great question because believe me, you are not the only one on the line who has experienced rejection. Amen. You know, Thank rejection you so also yeah, it, it diminishes your memory. Do you think there's someone yes. else that may have another call? Question. Uh, you, we'll see. I there's there's lights on, so I'm I'm waiting to see if someone okay. you know. One, but thank you for answering my question and thank you for letting me share. You're quite welcome. Thank you so much. That's Shavonna Johnson. She is our host um, of um, Real Talk. Um, Real Talk. And I'm glad that um, she's given me the space to share this with you. Something else that happens with rejection, your memory can get diminished. So when we remain stressed for a very, very long time and we refuse to forgive for a long period, we refuse to forgive. The cortisol, which is a neurotransmitter, causes our brain to shrink, especially our memory system called the hippocampus. Hippocampus is right next to the amygdala. It remembers everything. It also processes all incoming information. So your unforgiveness also amplifies negative emotions. So you do not want to constantly use cortisol release the neurochemical of cortisol by spending so much time to not to forgive that person. Cortisol also damages your organs. Chronic stress shrinks your brain. It's only three pounds. So you don't need a shrunk brain. So I want you to be considerate of that. And it's also another reaction. It's called Satan feud. This is a concept described, um, which describes the secret pleasure we feel when we see those who have hurt us experience a misfortune themselves. Yeah, I knew, you know, she deserved that. You know, she shouldn't have hurt me. Okay? And so there's a feeling in our brain and our emotions that we're feeling, you deserve that. That's what you get. Okay? This causes our brain to produce a pleasure neurotransmitter called dopamine. You know, when you laugh, you are you are actually releasing 
neurotransmitters of, of dopamine. You're, you're, you're releasing um, different types of things that's making you feel really, really good. So it actually feels good to see bad things happen to those that we don't forgive. It's not a God thing. It is not a God thing. So it's the opposite of praying for your enemies when Jesus commands us to do that. So unforgiveness not only keeps us chained to our offender, but it soundly affects our body and our brain. So what can we do? Consider these insights to forgive those who have hurt you. First, admit the pain. First stage of recovery is admission. Okay, There's a difference between healing and recovery. That's another discussion that I'm going to talk about when we get to my book sometime in, in, in the show, um, upcoming shows. But you have to first admit the pain. When we name a painful emotion, not stuffing it or rehearsing it, we decrease the negative emotion in, intensely. Now, sometimes we don't even know how to label an emotion. If I ask you how, how you feel and you tell me, well, um, good or better, that's not really a, a feeling. Sometimes people tell me what they think as opposed to what they feel. I really do want you to, to label the feeling. Rejection is a feeling. Okay. I feel um, um, sad. You know, you want to deal with that feeling. I'm going to ask those who have a question, so if you have a question, press option number one, and then you will get into the question Q. Journaling. When you journal, when you write, I'm talking about with pen and pencil, pen and paper, not typing, not texting. When you write, it lessens the pain and you can also gain a better perspective. Your writing also triggers the prefrontal lobe and causes you to focus on what it is that you're writing as opposed to the emotional feeling that you experience about someone causing you pain. You know, people think that they can multitask. Your brain does not multitask. Your brain only focuses on one thing at a time. So you cannot focus on unforgiveness while you're writing about how <clears throat> you actually feel. So, but don't let journaling become another way to rehearse and reinforce your pain. Don't journal how she did this and she said that, and this is why I'm not going to forgive her. No, that's not what we're going to talk about in our journaling, okay? I also want you to begin to choose to forgive the person. Notice I said the word begin. I'm not telling you just to go full force. Forgiving Start where you stand. That's a term we use in, in addiction therapy. You got to start where you stand, you know. Some offenses can be quickly forgiven. Others, yeah, it takes a little time. Like, you know, you walked into the room and, and saw your husband in bed with another woman in your bedroom. That may take a little time to get over. Okay? So the deeper the pain, the longer it will take. It's, it's not so much to forgive and forget, okay? True forgiveness is like remembering it less and less. And then draw deeply from God's grace. At the root of our faith, Christian faith, lies grace. Receiving God's grace and extending it to others who have hurt us. You know, the Apostle Paul 
reminds us in Colossians 3 and 13 to forgive others as Jesus has forgiven us. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So we're going to take another break. Um, In a minute, I'm just going to wind up with forgiveness. What happens when you forgive, okay? You reappraise the situation, and the reappraisal takes place in, in the highest level of your brain, which is the CEO of the entire body. That's a prefrontal lobe. You have to change your perspective when you forgive, and you begin to have empathic. Your brain also looks for other regions in the, in, in the brain, uh, in the prefrontal um, cortex, that brings together how you regulate and, and balance um, empathy. Last week, I talked about empathy, and as we talked about um, the, the sudden and loss of uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter in all on the on the plane that was with him, and how people across the world was expressing empathy and grief, and why were they feeling so grievous about it when they didn't have a personal relationship with us? Well, our body, our brain is wired for empathy. Okay, forgiveness is associated with positive emotions, um, and as opposed to unforgiveness. Forgiveness heals emotional wounds. So we're going to take another music station break to listen to the song. And I think this just lays the foundation for our last segment on gratitude. You're going to listen to the song called Thank You by Richard Smallwood as it sets the tone for understanding how our brain responds to gratitude. I'll be right back.
how many of you are grateful that God just decided to wake you up this morning? Someone did not get up. Someone made plans today to, you know, do whatever they had on their schedule but never woke up. We are so grateful that God chose us this day to witness to one another that he is God. And so I say thank you. You are listening to Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. We welcome your comments and questions, and I'm getting alerted that we do have a question. Caller 1111 has a question. Please ask your question now. Caller 111, please press Option one. You know, the brain is a remarkably complex neurochemical driver. Sometimes we call that uh, neurotransmitters when we talked about earlier. So any activity that increases in production of these neurochemicals, well, it's going to affect your mood. So sometimes you wake up, you say, why am I feeling some sort of way this morning? You know, I don't understand it. But there are things that are going on in your body and different chemicals are announcing themselves in ways that um, you may not be able to understand. But I intend on teaching you how to regulate your own emotions. Okay, so we have a question. Option one has pressed again. Caller 1111 has pressed option one. And... So it's a person that may have a, a connection problem, but we're going to hold on for you, and I'm going to keep talking. And as soon as I hear you come back on, I will pause to answer your question. So when we talk about neurochemicals of dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, all this makes up the happiness trifactor. Do you know you can actually make yourself happy by increasing the serotonin level? Simply by exercising and eating certain foods will boost levels of serotonin. Now, low serotonin, which I mentioned earlier, is attributed to anxiety and depression. The higher your level of oxytocin, which is the bonding neurochemical that happens when a mother births a child and you hold that child and you bond with that child, you are also releasing the neurotransmitter oxytocin. When you find your love language with a person or the person that you have uh, decided will be your husband or your best friend or your girlfriend, um, boyfriend or whatever, oxytocin is, is bonding you together. That's why you can kind of complete each other's sentence and how you feel good around them. These are chemicals that are being released in your blood system. So gratitude. We're now at the end of our last segment, and I'm going to talk to you about gratitude. Gratitude affects your brain at the biological level. Gratitude physically changes the brain. It allows the brain to wire itself to be in constant state of mental appreciation, which is a very positive place. So in this state, we are positive. And these are people who are philanthropic, they're approachable, and they're forgiving. 
because they have high levels of gratitude. Do you know that gratitude boosts the neurotransmitter of dopamine? The more gratitude that you have, the higher the dopamine level will be. Your gratitude towards others increase your activity in your social dopamine circuits, which makes social interactions more enjoyable. I will be authentic with you, and I'm always authentic with folks. I am an introvert. So I am not really a type of person that is just going to walk over to you and say, hey, how you doing? Uh, my name is this, and let's get together. That's kind of not me. Only time I'm an extrovert is when I'm presenting, training, or having a, a, a deep discussion about something. It's something I want to work on, and I will work on it, but I'm just letting you know I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. But people think I'm an extrovert, but I'm not. So here is another benefit of gratitude. It starts with the dopamine system because feeling grateful, when you are grateful, it activates the brainstem region that produces the dopamine. Everything in our body is connected. Gratitude also improves your sleep. So those of you who have difficulty sleeping at night or have sleep disturbances or inability to sleep, gratitude. Increase your gratitude and you'll be able to sleep. Sleep is a neurotechnology. Your brain is always working 24 hours a day, even when you're sleeping, but you need eight hours of sleep, six to eight hours of sleep, because during your sleep time, your brain is dumping the trash, making room for new information. You have 70, 100,000 thoughts a day. Only 5% of them are conscious. The rest of them are subconscious. Do you know that sleep also reduces pain? When your pain is reduced, you improve your mood. When you're grateful, you are less bothered by gratitude. How many of you knew that gratitude had such a, a, a huge effect on your immune system, how you relate to people? Remembering to be grateful is a form of emotional intelligence. One crucial effect of gratitude on our health is specifically the ability to reduce your blood pressure. For those callers on the line, listeners on the line, we have high blood pressure. Listen, I want you to think about being more uh, grateful. And then maybe you can get off of some of that high blood pressure medication that only helps to increase your cholesterol level. Gratitude also builds a more durable immune system. And expensing gratitude, you boost your neurotransmitter of serotonin also, which helps you balance out conflict in thinking and beliefs. These density changes suggest as emotional intelligence increases, the neurons, which are cell-to-cell um, communications, it's like a phone talking to a phone or, or, or one person to another talking to another person, these are neurons, these are brain cells, they become more, and gratitude also activates the hippothampus, hippothampus I'm sorry, and that, that, that's the brain um, structure that's responsible for hunger, your sleep, your body temperature, your metabolism, and how the body grows. So you know when people who have high anxiety that serotonin is also in your stomach, and so your gut, your gut 
is 85% of your immune system. So what you eat, be very careful about what you eat if you have high anxiety. Gratitude blocks toxins, negative emotions, such as envy, resentment, regret, and emotions that can destroy our happiness. There's a difference between being envious and jealous. Envy says, you have what belongs to me. Jealousy says, hmm, she has that. I wish I had it. But it's not a, 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 it's not a demonstration or, or a declaration that what you have belongs to me. Your husband does not belong to me. An envious person who is jealous of you because of your husband, you got married, will say your husband actually was, was stationed to become my husband. And that's where the envious come from, envy comes from. Envy is one of the seven deadly sins God talks about. That means that I don't believe what God did for you can do for me. So envious people borders on mental illness and be very careful of envious people. So there's so much more that I could say about gratitude. I will say that gratitude focuses you to, to focus on the positive aspect of your life. So during future shows, and we're winding up now, we're like 10 minutes um, beyond our end point because I generally end at 7 o'clock, at 7.14. In future shows, we'll be speaking about my new book release, Remembering the Trauma and Healing It with the Trauma of Change Model, which is a faith-based trauma recovery system available now on Amazon along with the workbook. Be sure to purchase the book and the workbook as we will be spending time going through some of the chapters of shame, guilt, and rejection, and how to really to rewire your word, your brain with neuroplasticity with the word of God so you can shift from being a victim of trauma to being victorious warrior, taking up a position that allows you to maximize your potential to have a global impact in your community and the world. You can visit my website at drreneecharles.com or you can email me at contact at drreneedcharles.com. Join me on All About Us Radio on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will have um, a great time together. You can follow me on Instagram at dr underscore Renee underscore Charles. I'm also on Twitter at, at Dr. Renee Charles C. Ph.D. So we're going to end with this last song called You. I love this song, and I, I love doing life with you live on Real Live Talk. God bless you. Be grateful. See you next week at 6 o'clock. God bless you. Yo, man. People always ask me why am I always so happy and never down.
Greetings and hello. My name is Dr. Renee Scholz. I am a neuro coach, a mind and brain ambassador, and author of the new book release, Remembering the Trauma and Healing It with the Trauma of Change System Model, which leverages neuroscience and spirituality for trauma healing, deliverance, and recovery. I want to welcome you to my new show, Real Talk with Dr. Renee, where we'll have an authentic dialogue about all things related to the mind, body, and brain connection. During our time together, we'll talk about how to maximize brain potential in your personal and corporate space, develop new mental maps and success strategies to overcome traumas and other life challenges we face every day. I do look forward to talking with you and taking your calls and answering some of the questions as we do life together live on this show. Listen, you may be on the road driving home, sitting at your computer, or on your way to the gym when real brain talk airs. I want you to pace yourself and get in position to optimize your brain. Join me on All About Us Radio on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And follow me on my social media outlets. At Twitter, it's at Dr. Renee Charles. Instagram is Dr. Diora underscore Renee underscore Charles. And Facebook is simply at Dr. Dr. R-D-C Ph.D. You are listening to All About Us Radio. I am Shavana Johnson, CEO and founder of All About Us Global Media Productions Group, TV, radio, and magazine, CEO of the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation Incorporated. We are a 501c3 organization on a mission to educate, engage, and mentor our parents and teens in communities on current issues surrounding our youth. Today, we are asking for your support to continue providing our informative programming through our various media platforms. To make a donation, visit the Whitney E. Johnson site at www.wejfoundation.org or you can reach us at 631-521-7699 for more information. And as a reminder, all donations given are tax deductible. On behalf of the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation, we thank you for listening and your support. 